0: Hey, you're listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. My name is Keila Craft Ambrose. This is a place to grow, be inspired, and to go deeper in the things of God. I hope you enjoy this episode. Tonight is about having the heart that God wants us to have. And so I don't want you, as I'm talking, to think in your mind, well, I'm not doing that or I'm already doing that, so I'm good. But let's just have an open heart when we're talking about this because there's a lot we can learn. There's a lot, even as I was studying, that I just internalized and went, you know what, God, that's for me. So um, tonight I just want to ask you to have an open heart and don't let the enemy mess with you while I'm talking to you about this, okay? So how many times in your life have you said, or you've heard somebody say something like this when you go through a hard time. Hey, if there's anything you need, let me know. Has that ever helped you? No, it's just interesting. Like, and I've said that, like, and honestly, I've said that a lot when I'm not very close to someone or like, I'm not really sure how to help them. Like somehow in my mind, I think, well, if they really need me, they're gonna let me know. But really it's kind of like something that makes me feel good because I'm like, I tried but I didn't actually take any action, but I at least tried. Right. And it's this weird thing that we do as humans. Like we, we want people to feel like we're there for them. We wanna feel like we're a part of something, but like we don't wanna go all the way in because if we commit too much, it's gonna put a demand on us. Isn't that true? Like it's just true in our lives. So we say things like, hey, if there's anything you need, let me know. Or like, like you know, <laughs> I don't know. We never say things like, hey, on Tuesday, I'll be at your house, I'm gonna help you clean your whole house because I'm sure you don't have the mindset right now to help clean or to clean yourself, so I'm just gonna come and do it for you and serve you. Is that okay? I'm sure they'd be like, okay. Or like, hey, I know that you've been really busy and you're having a hard time. I'm gonna bring you over dinner tomorrow night. Is that good with you? You don't have to pay me back, I just wanna serve you. Like that's taking action on something. That's taking action towards a person and loving somebody. It's an actual action. It's not just like a word that sounds like an action that makes us feel better. (laughs) And you have to realize that we do that and that's a human thing because it makes us feel good. But it doesn't necessarily help the situation. So, you know, I hate to admit this, but it's how most of us operate in life by default. And um, we wanna feel helpful but without taking action. And so sometimes this is what it can even look like in the church. There are so many ways for people who attend church that come to church or for people who are the church to be the hands and feet of Jesus, yet we have this place of convenience instead of a place of committed. Like we stay in this place of like, well, I came to church. But coming to church isn't the same as feeding people. It's not the same as loving people. That's for you, you just got fed. And so there's a different thought process that sometimes I think we have and we accept because it makes us feel good, but it doesn't actually help us get into the action part of what God wants for us. And, you know, God didn't just create us so that we could sit around. If he did, we would be like on those little wheelchairs that float in the sky in Wally that we just get fed and just float around, which if you've ever seen Wally, it's really weird. <laughs> But like, if God didn't create us to do something, he wouldn't have put himself as an example through the form of Jesus on how we should live and what we should do, right? We could just like do whatever we want and sit around and like feel good about it. But God didn't just create us so that we could just sit, he wants us to move to the next level and actually serve. He wants us to take action with what he's given us in his kingdom. Like, he wants you to be a part of his kingdom and if you aren't, tonight I'm going to help you know how to do that. But if you have already been a part of his kingdom and you haven't taken action yet, you're the only one missing out. Because there's benefits that come to whenever you actually follow Jesus' example. There's obviously benefits you get for being a child of God. But, you know, my, my dad's always taught me, which is Pastor Keith, if you don't know him. Um, you can love all your children, but you're not endeared to them all the same. It's just true. If you've never realized it, if you're an only child, you win. But <laughs> if you have more than, like, yourself and a family, usually the children that your parents are endeared to are the ones that serve. They're the ones that are willing to help. They're the ones that take care of their stuff, right? They're not always like, hey, can I have money? Like, think just think about that. They're the ones that contribute. I remember from the time that I was about seven, my dad would ask me, what are you contributing to this family? <laughs> I'm like... It's a hard question when you're seven, right? But he would ask us this a lot, so it made us think like, what am I contributing? And I think if you're a part of a family, you wanna actually be a part of it. You don't just wanna have the last name. You wanna be able to walk in the authority of being in the family. Um, I'm not gonna reference that, Never mind. gonna go back. Okay, so it's interesting to me that we have this natural desire, whether you're gonna admit it or not, we all have this natural desire that we wanna be great. But we don't naturally want to do what it takes to be great. <laughs> it's just a weird dynamic that we have. It's like, yeah, I want to be great. But wait, it's going to take me 12 years to study that? Is there a fast track? No. Never mind, I'll change what I want. Like, I did that with my minor in college, to be completely honest. It was like, oh, I'm going to have to be here a whole nother semester? Yeah, no. What's the one I can do the fastest? <laughs> Like, that's just true. I don't even use my minor. I don't know why I was required to have one. Like, just let me have a major. But, but for me, it's like we want, and like I know inside myself, like I want to be great at certain things, but I don't want to do the work that it takes to actually build up greatness. And, you know, it can be like really easy to say, well, I just don't know where to start. But we have so many examples to follow, and the main one being Jesus. So tonight, I just want to start off by telling you this. What you're valuing in your life has no value if it doesn't matter. Think about what you're valuing right now. Think about the relationships you're valuing, the time that you spend doing something, the places that you're putting your money. You know, it's really, really easy for us to go like, I need Netflix, (laughs) like 12 bucks a month, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, 13, 13 bucks a month. But when the bucket passes, us, we're like, oh, I don't have anything. Like just think about those things. We're like, oh, Spotify. Yeah, I need that. I don't like commercials. <laughs> That's easy because it solves a problem for me. But then when we get the opportunity to serve, it's like, oh, I'm actually busy today. Like think about the things. I'm just saying like, this is like, this is confronting to me. And I don't know if it makes you feel like, oh shoot, but like a lot of times what we're prioritizing and what we're valuing, it actually doesn't matter. Like if I look back at my life, I'm not gonna be like, well, thank God I bought that Netflix. Like, wow, that really blessed my soul. Like I like it, but it doesn't actually matter in my life. I'm not gonna like be dying one day and I'm gonna tell my great grandkids, listen, don't forget Netflix. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying like, put some things in perspective and you can see where you're putting your time, where you're putting your money. If it doesn't matter, it doesn't have value. And so we have to think about a lot of times where we're putting our value, that's actually where your purpose is. And a lot of our purpose is like kind of spread around and we we're confused because we haven't put our value in the right things and we haven't thought about what purpose are we serving? Like, think about, your income, which is your money, your time, which is actually your influence, your talent, which is your ability, are you serving a purpose that matters? Does it have a meaning that's greater than just you alone or what you want? Because if it doesn't, the answer is probably it doesn't matter. And we could always reevaluate certain things in our life, like the things that we're like, well, I don't don't really know how to get started. Literally, if you could get off work five, 10 minutes early and choose to show up somewhere like Elevate Life Church and just pick up some chairs, like you get to be a part of the kingdom of God. Like that like is mind blowing to me. Like, wait, wait, what? Like I'm actually an active participant. I'm not just like, yeah, I'm God's child. No, I'm actually making a way for other people to find God by setting up a chair. Like it, it blows my mind how simple God's made it for us. <laughs> or like, like, hey, you know, just take your, take your Starbucks money that week and don't get a Starbucks on Sunday and just drop that money in the bucket and prioritize God. Like that sounds simple, but when it comes down to it, we usually choose coffee. So I I was looking at how Jesus talks about who the greatest people are. And maybe some of you guys have heard this scripture and I'll get into this and what this means in a little bit. But Matthew 23:11 through, through 12, Jesus says, the greatest among you will be the one who always serves others from the heart. Remember this, if you have a lofty opinion of yourself and seek to be honored, you will be humbled. But if you have a modest opinion of yourself and choose to humble yourself, you will be honored. So most people that have an issue serving is because they're prioritizing what they want over what's most important. The greatest servant that we've ever known is Jesus. He didn't come to rule even though he could have. Like you realize he had the power to just take over the world. But he didn't come to rule, he came to serve. And he tells us the greatest among you is the servant. But yet somehow we think that being a servant is the lowest. But that's who he tells us to be on purpose. It's just kind of like, what? Like it goes against our natural human like thinking in our human nature so let me tell you a little bit about Timothy so Timothy was one of the people that came after the 12 disciples that ended up doing ministry a lot of ministry with Paul okay but Timothy in his teens actually found himself in a home with a pagan father and a Jewish mother living in the town of Lystra today known as South Central Turkey which some of you guys may have grown up in a home where parents don't believe the same things or family doesn't believe the same things Um, His mother and grandmother taught him scriptures, but he didn't know who Jesus was or that he was the promised Messiah until a man named Paul came to his town. Paul healed a man who was lame from birth, which just basically means he can't walk, and he preached the gospel. But then the people got so mad at him that they tried to stone him to death and they dragged him out of the city and they thought he was dead. (laughs) Well, Paul got back up and he went back into the city and then he decided to leave the next day. Later, he actually returned to the city and he strengthened those who had chosen to believe by saying this in Acts 14, Though many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Timothy was one of the ones who had continued to believe in who Jesus was. In the years that followed, he grew in the Lord and he, looked, he was actually looked to as a leader in ministry. He continued to grow and years later, Paul came back through the town And he personally invited Timothy to join him in ministry because of his faithfulness in his area. And Timothy would have been probably about in his early 20s at this time. Paul was about 50 at the time. But for about the next 18 years until Paul was actually beheaded by Nero, Timothy served with Paul. And serving Jesus under Paul sounds like wonderful and exciting. Like, wow, you walked with Jesus, now I get to walk with you. But you have to remember his encounters. This man comes to his town, tells people about Jesus and heals someone. And they're like, let's stone him. That's, a, that's reasonable. And then Timothy is so affected by this that he c- continues to live his life believing and teaching other people about what he heard Paul teach. So much so that Paul was like, hey, I want you to come with me. Like Paul traveled, that was his whole life traveling after Jesus went to heaven. And it's like, literally he goes, hey, you, like imagine being that person. You were a teenager. Now someone comes back and they go, hey, you, I came back to encourage, but I want you to come with me. It sounds wonderful, but actually wasn't always amazing. Paul actually continued to say to Timothy, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. If you don't know anything about Paul's story, obviously he was beheaded eventually. and But what happened is that Timothy often felt like he was far in over his head. I don't know if you've ever felt like this with the things of God, like, I don't even know, you know? But like, it actually, like the Jewish texts describe him as timid and shy. So he was more like of an introvert. He wasn't like this extroverted person that was like, hey guys! Like, so whenever he faced conflict, like he was kind of like, okay, everybody chill, you know? And he's not even saying that to anybody because he's away from the people, but like he's more timid and shy. And so he wasn't inclined towards like conflict, but he often found himself in the midst of controversy. Actually, when Paul went to prison before he was killed, he asked Timothy, hey, will you continue to go and encourage the churches and the people that I've encouraged? Like, they're not gonna understand. You're gonna have to confront them because they worship pagan gods sometimes and they mess up. So you're gonna have to like encourage them and confront them and help them. But like, I need you to continue what I did. That's not freaking easy. Like you just saw, like for your whole life, you've seen people get killed and martyred and and stoned. (laughs) And somehow like, I'm supposed to go now confront people. And that's not even my personality. But he actually decided even though he felt like quitting a lot of times to be faithful to his call of service. And I love that story because he doesn't he doesn't come from a perfect background. He came from parents that didn't believe the same thing. He was in a city that hated the person he decided to dedicate his life to helping and following. And he never actually got to walk with Jesus. But yet he's dedicated his life like he's not getting paid. <laughs> Like, it's not like, oh, he's making like a really good salary, so that makes sense. No, like he's putting his life on the line and doing things that are uncomfortable just because he knows, that his, he knows that his call is to serve. And so, you know, going to this next story in the Bible, which Pastor Keith hit on, Jesus was actually washing the disciples' feet in the last hours of his life. And a lot of these scriptures that I'm going to read are told in the same time frame, but by different people. So they're different perspectives, but around the same time frame. Does that make sense to everybody? So like, I'm gonna pull out some different scriptures, but just remember this is all in the same time frame. So this first scripture, it talks about how Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. But what's interesting to me is this doesn't seem like something that you would wanna do with your final hours. Like their feet were their means of transportation. So think about what's on them. Think about what's in between them. Think about the nails, or if they had them. I'm just saying, just think, you know, like, it's not every day that you go, let me go wash my tires with my hands. You know? But like, this was human mess. It wasn't just a rubber, you know, tire. Some people's feet just scare me sometimes, I don't know. But... But it doesn't seem like, like if Jesus was like, I'm gonna spend the most of my time, like I'm gonna make the most of my time my last final hours, let me wash your feet. But Jesus prioritized it, so it's obviously important. Okay, so I wanna point out something in the beginning of this story. In John 13, three through five, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put everything under his power. He also knew that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. So they were sitting at, you know that picture you see where all the disciples like in the long table and they're, Here's this bread, it's my body. Here's this wine, it's my blood. You know that whole thing, right? So that's the Passover meal and that was like right before he died. And he's like sitting there telling them all this stuff. So this says, So he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothes. He wrapped a towel around his waist and after that he poured water into a large bowl. Then he began to wash his disciples' feet. He dried them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, why this would be put in the scripture, some of us might just read right past it. But I wanna explain something. Back in the day, whenever you came into someone's home, it was customary that they honored you by washing your feet before you came into their home. Obviously, that didn't happen. So Jesus is sitting there at the table with stinky-feeded men, and in his last hours of his life, he gets up from the table and prepares to wash their feet. Now, there's two things that happen. The first thing is that he got up from the meal. Why is this important? Because you cannot serve and eat at the same time. You have to stop eating to actually take action. So Jesus got up from the meal. A lot of us are sitting in church being fed. We never get up from the table. It's a very selfish place to sit in a place like Elevate Life or any kind of church or even your room and have God pour into you and pour into you and pour into you and never realize that you're a child of God that needs to actually walk out and pour out what has been poured into you. So you can't just sit there and eat and eat and eat and eat and ever expect yourself to feel useful in the kingdom when you don't use the energy that you've just been fed, the sustenance, the nutrients that you've just been fed. The whole purpose of you being fed is that you go feed others. So Jesus gets up from the table. The next thing is he took off his outer clothes. You cannot serve with your agenda still on. We all have this outer clothing. We all have what we wanna look like, what we wanna sound like, what we wanna talk like, what we want other people to think about us, but we're sitting there at the table and we have our outer clothes on. Like, why would he still have his outer clothes on when he's inside? Why do we do the same thing when we come before God? So Jesus takes off how he sees himself, maybe how other people see him, his agenda. Like if, I, if it was my last hours, I'd be like, guys, I'm gonna go eat, sleep, and chill. See you later. You guys already annoy me. <laughs> if you know the disciples, they're like us. They, they're, they have a lot of stuff going on, right? So, but Jesus takes off his outer clothes so that he can serve. We need to take off our agenda. We need to take off what we're putting on. We need to take off what we're comfortable with because you can never actually serve if it's your way, if it's in your timing, if it's making you feel good. (laughs) So, So something that is just interesting to me and it's something that I struggle with, I'm just being honest, and I think we all do at a certain level, but selfish people do not serve. Like I... I don't know if y'all ever struggle with being selfish, but like, I want things my way and my time and I want to be right. And I want God to fit into my agenda and in my timing and how I want it to happen. You ever been there? But you cannot serve and be selfish. You just can't. So I wanna tell you, because sometimes I think we see people at different levels and we think like, oh, when I get there, like, I won't have to pick up this chair anymore. There's no level that exempts exempts you from serving. And Jesus showed us this when he was the one that got it from the table. He doesn't, that wasn't his home. Like he wasn't being paid to rub off the crust. I don't know how long their feet have been dirty. But it's like, think about this. Even though he was the savior of the world, he was also the one that took the initiative to go get down and get a towel and get ready and prepare himself to do something that no one else wants to do. So that shows us there's no level that exempts you from serving. We all have to find a way to serve. It's not just, hey, what team are you on? It's what kind of life are you living? How are you pouring out what God's given you? Because God's given us all breath. He's given us all talents. He's given us all a life. He's given us all finances on a level to do something with it. And what we're valuing, what we're putting a purpose to, we have to ask ourselves, does this matter? You know, the disciples before this, they had actually been arguing about who was the greatest. (laughs) If you look at these scriptures, it's just very interesting. So in Mark 10, they were just arguing about who's gonna be the greatest, who's gonna sit at the right hand, who he's gonna remember. And they're focused on their own greatness. They're not focused on God's definition of greatness. So they're sitting there arguing just like we do Oh, how many followers do they have? Oh yeah, they didn't get that many likes, those are fake followers. Like, oh wait, that's their boyfriend? That's their girlfriend? Oh, like how much money does that make? Oh, God. Ooh, why, are you, why are they in that job? Oh, they make more money than me, what? I do way more than them. Like we're always comparing, we're always contrasting other people. We're always saying like, yeah, um, yeah, no, you can't marry that person. God told me they were mine, so back off we're always like thinking that something that someone else is getting is for us and we get frustrated at God, but he actually has more for us. But so anyways, the disciples, they're sitting there. Jesus actually overheard them arguing. It's embarrassing. So they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And his response was literally, whoever wants to be first needs to be a slave to all. And the answer that he gives them is not the answer that we're expecting. Like I'm not expecting whenever I'm like, hey God, how do I, how do I be a great woman? How do I be a great person who's going to follow you? I'm expecting like, yeah, you need to study, you need to be consistent, you need to be faithful, you need to be a person that like knows how to talk to people and like look kind of good while you're doing it. But he's like, no, actually just do what everyone else doesn't want to do take things that are inconvenient and do those. Oh, that person's annoying? That's who you're called to. (laughs) Like, think about the people that Jesus was called to. You think they would have been like higher level, right? Like you would have think they would have been operating at a higher level. But so Jesus is sitting there telling them like, greatness is you choosing to be the servant. So we can look at this scripture and we think that this seems like the opposite of greatness. Like greatness in God's eyes isn't based on your power. It isn't based on your position. It's not based on perceived, your assets or how big your house is, or how nice your car is. But greatness according to Jesus is simply this, living a life with a desire to demonstrate love by serving others. God, it says in the Bible that God gives seed to the sower. These are people that do something with what he's given them. It doesn't say he gives seed to the person who like, Harvests, or the person who wants or the person who needs it says he gives seed to the sower so when you put it back in he goes oh you use that all up here you need more like why would god ever give you more if you're not using what he's already given you it's like simple principles that i miss all the time in the bible (laughs) like oh seed to the sower what does a sower do they sow If I'm not sowing, how can I ever expect my life to multiply? Because I'm putting nothing in the hands of God. Like it's not my job to multiply it. It's God's job. My job is just to release it. So your job is just to release your time, to release your talent, to release your treasure and let God multiply that back to you. Yeah, hey, you know what? Maybe you had to take off work a little bit early to come serve. Maybe you had to talk to your boss and it was an uncomfortable situation. Or maybe you just decided to serve at work that day and like, Help people when it wasn't your job or you saw trash on the floor and you went, mm. Like, why is it always a temptation to not pick up trash? Have you ever thought about that? Like, I got out of my car. It was very convenient this last week. Got out of my car at the church and there was a water bottle. I was like, oh, and I, went, <laughs> I picked it up and it was like, I almost walked away. This is my church and we should all feel that way. This is my church. This is the house of God. I want to keep it nice. This is my house. I want to keep it nice. This is my car. I want to keep it nice. But God's the one that's given those things to us, right? But it's so easy to miss those moments. So in John 13, it continues and it says how Jesus, he goes, so if I'm your teacher, if I'm your Lord and i just washed your dirty feet, then you should follow the example that I've set for you and wash each other's dirty feet. Now do for each other what I've just done for you. Like it's a different thing to be like, oh wow, Jesus is washing our feet. And then for him to go, yeah, now it's your turn. Do you realize that he's talking to us? Like I just showed you how to be great. Now you go do it. Now... Something that's really interesting to me is that Jesus didn't just tell the disciples what to do. He actually did it first. They were always following him into action. Most time they were like, do you want me to tell these people to go away? No, bring him in. Like this, oh, this lady's trying to wash your feet with her hair, wasting her salary. Let's just like kick her out. And he's like, what? She gets it. You guys don't get it oh, there's all these people that need healing, Jesus. You want me to tell them to go away? And then Jesus is like, someone just touched me and power went out and someone gets healed because they decide to go for it. We're those people that are like, oh, it's too much. It's just too much. Like my job and my life and work-life balance, we're all about that. But work-life balance doesn't matter if you don't have your foundation, correct? You're actually out of balance in everything. So serving, if you wondered, is actually the leadership style of Jesus. He did it first. So no matter what others did, he was faithful to who he was to God because this was his purpose. His purpose was bigger than himself. He served a purpose that was bigger than what it felt like in the moment, than what it looked like in the moment. So guess what? He didn't have to stay in the moment. He could always see beyond the moment and he teaches us how to do this. Like, do you ever get stuck in something? And you're like, when is this just going to be over? Like, I'm so tired of this. This is so frustrating. But it's because we're looking at the moment. We don't have a purpose bigger than our job, bigger than our relationship, bigger than our health issue. So when a doctor gives us a diagnosis, it's like a lid. And we can't see past it because we have no purpose bigger than that moment. Our doctor just told us this and now that's our purpose. Instead of having something that's beyond that, God's bigger than a diagnosis. He's bigger than your relational issues. He's bigger than your job. He's bigger than what you need and he's the provider. So he knows what you need before you ask for it. So here's something also that really challenges me. Jesus didn't just like line up the disciples and only wash the faithful. He washed Judas' feet too. He washed Peter's feet too even though they had already betrayed him in their hearts. And even though he already knew what was going to happen, he washed their feet too. And he didn't, he didn't like go, hey, I'm going to wash these extra goods so you know. Like he chose to be the type of person that didn't just do things with those that made him feel loved back. And that's the temptation that we have. Like, yeah, I'll serve you because I like you. Yeah, I'll serve you because I'll do this. And this is like real for me. Like, yeah, it's easy to serve people when you feel loved. It's easy to serve people when you feel wanted, but what about when you're serving and doing your best and people don't see it? What about when you show up and you're faithful and no one says, thank you? The cool thing is about serving is that you're not doing it for other people. You do it for God. So Mark 10, 45 says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. So I wanna just tell you this as I'm ending. Our service reveals our love for God. Do you love God more than what you want? Do you love him more than you want that thing, more than you want to spend your time doing that, more than you wanna prioritize that? Do you love him more? Because if you would realize how much he loved you, how much he saved you, how much he's done for you, you would actually want to have some kind of action on that. A lot of us just sit here and we receive his love but we never actually step into the action piece of becoming love for others. You know, Jesus left heaven to become less, to serve you and me. He didn't have to do that. He could have stayed Old Testament God, like bring me sacrifices, and you need to do this, 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 otherwise you're out. Like, (laughs) I'm thankful that we don't have that kind of relationship with God anymore. I'm thankful that we have someone like Jesus who came, and he came and made himself a servant. And he taught us how to be. Now our challenge is to actually live like it. Because serving is the door to greatness. I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. said it. We all know the quote. It was just recently Martin Luther King Jr. Day and his birthday. But everybody can be great because everybody can serve. Sometimes we listen to quotes more than we listen to the Bible. But we still don't apply them. (laughs) But we like to post them. Right? So... Do you have a bigger purpose? Is it bigger than what you just need? It's our choice to get to the place where we are not just self-centered. Like, don't be so self-centered that you never get to be God-centered. Because if you're focused on yourself, God will never be at the center of your life. And this is a constant challenge for us to keep our focus on God and not ourselves. First Peter 4.11 says whoever serves, let it be as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Do you know that we don't always have the strength to do what we need to do? It's okay to ask God for help. He, it says that here, he's the one that provides the strength to do what we need to do. So when someone hates you and you still have to love them, when someone's mean to you and you still have to be nice to them, when you need to show up to work and you don't like your boss, when you are in traffic and someone flips you off It's your choice to go, God, help me, and then do the right thing. (laughs) All of us are called to serve. And many times we feel lost and we don't know our calling because we've never stepped into service. Service reveals your greatness. I can't tell you how many people, I lead the internship college, and I can't tell you how many people have found their calling through serving. Like, me and Mish were actually talking about Maddie cause like on a mission trip, I made her sing for the first time and she was so mad at me. And, and it's just funny how like literally through doing something like serving, you can get passionate about something and it actually becomes something you give in the kingdom. But you'll never know if you don't step out and get yourself uncomfortable a little bit. And like I said, ultimately our, our goal is to bring glory to God in service. But I want you to know you have a part to play in the kingdom. You really do, like you're not just here to breathe and sit and live and die. Like it's just not. God wants you to have an active role in the kingdom. So how do we do this? We look at the life of Jesus and we try to do what he did. Thank God we're not having to wash people's feet all the time. I mean, that just, you know, that just takes one off that we don't have to do, but we should smile at people and sometimes it's hard. And we should like, Contribute and not just be people that go, hey, if you need something, let me know. Because that's not contributing. You know, in Psalms 102, it says, serve the Lord with gladness. Sometimes I don't feel happy all the time. I don't know if you always feel happy. But like, whenever you understand, I'm stepping into being more like Jesus I'm stepping into activating who I am in God. I'm stepping into my calling. I'm stepping into not just being a child, but actually walking in anointing. You can do it with gladness because it means something. Like Netflix, like I said, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't have a higher purpose. But when you understand you have a higher purpose and you're living for a higher purpose, you can do it with gladness. So I just wanna end by asking you a few questions. Think about it in your own life. What purpose do you serve? Is it your income and your money? Because you can have money and no influence. You can be rich and still be poor. Is it your time and your influence? Because when life is not about people looking at you or what you need to prove or or how you need to prove who you are, but about proving who God is, that's when you set aside selfishness and God can actually bring you influence. Is it your talent and your ability? Because you're going to have an impact when you take what you can do and do it for God. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 12, and it talks about the spiritual gifts, and I'm not going to get into all of it, but basically one of the cool things that it says is, and I'm sure you've heard this, but it says like we're one body with many parts, right? And all the parts are important and stuff like that. But What's interesting is this scripture talks about when you think about it this way, it keeps you from thinking about yourself as too significant but it also helps you know how significant you are because we're meant to work together. And it's only when you accept your part then does your part actually mean anything. I think a lot of our generation we feel like hopeless and. We don't have meaning and a lot of times it's because we're not putting our purpose in the right thing and we're not walking in the right direction with God and actually trying to be like Jesus. So we're like, where's my life going? What am I doing? Does this mean anything? Like, I can't tell you how many people I've heard. They're like, I don't, I don't even know what I wanna do with my life. I don't know, what. It, this, nothing means anything. And it's because their purpose is in the wrong thing. And they don't understand that literally the reason why God created you was so that he can love you And so that you can love other people and when you're not doing that you're going to feel empty you're going to feel hopeless you're going to feel like i don't have direction and it's actually just as simple as looking at the life of jesus and in a moment going god give me strength to do what you would want me to do so it could be something as simple as smiling or helping somebody out or getting on a team, whatever that looks like, or maybe even just giving back to God. But it's actually simple, it's not complicated. The enemy wants you to think it's complicated so that you stay still. And so that you never see the benefits of what God has for you. But today, if you are a person and you don't, you're not a part of the kingdom of God because you don't have a personal relationship with Him, we're gonna all pray together and say the prayer together. But also, if you're, if you're in this room and you're like, Man, there's areas of my life that I'm not on my purpose. Like I'm not doing what matters most. And I want to be a person that actually has fruit and sees that my life matters. Like I wanna, I wanna actually serve God and not just eat at the table. I don't want to just think of myself as so important that I'm above it all. And those people can do that and whatever. Or even like have the pressure to go like I know I'm not serving and I need to do it and whatever. Like only the enemy wants you to feel condemned. God wants to challenge you and he wants to push you to be better in the areas that you know, but only the enemy wants you to feel bad about it. So just know today, we're gonna do two things. We're gonna pray for those that need to know God and then those of us that just wanna take that challenge and not be selfish and be people who actually go serve and do what God's called us to do. Thank you for listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. I would love for you to subscribe to personally receive weekly encouragement. Also, check out my blog at keelacraftambrose.com for monthly content. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at keelacraftambrose.